Men and the Boys Seeing Sexist Character Writing Recently, I saw a social media post from a friend called Charlie calling out sexist character writing in the TV show The Boys. I like pop culture, yet I'm also aware that mass-produced media like TV, film, radio, graphic novels, etc. have the potential to make oppressive ideas and behaviours seem normal. Charlie's post made me think about a technique often used in modern storytelling to make sexist culture and other cultures of domination less visible. Hopefully, most of us can look back on the TV and film of yesteryear and think, whoa, how on earth did they get away with that? Yet, if I could use a time machine to travel back to the early 1980s and chat to fans about ableist character tropes in Star Wars, or racist writing in Ghostbusters, or the normalising of sexual assault in Blade Runner, I suspect these conversations would not go very well. People, perhaps even past versions of myself, would simply not want to hear it. In all likelihood, I'd be dismissed as some sort of killjoy, intent upon ruining everybody's fun. Times change, and some audiences may be more astute to avert ableism, racism and sexism in TV and film. Yet, problems apparently remain. When I saw Charlie's post, she was not holding back in her thoughts about the boys. To quote Charlie, I watched an episode of The Boys. There are two moments where women demonstrate any real agency. In one, the woman doesn't speak. In the other, the woman speaks a man's words verbatim. In both, they are visibly in possession of a penis. There is one occasion where a woman speaks to another woman. It's about a man. Every other time a woman speaks, it's very clearly to enable the development of a man's plot arc. I don't think this series is for me. Charlie is often good at calling out the sexist nonsense that she encounters in her day-to-day -day life. And this was affirmed by numerous women and men in the comments. Several men also posted negative, dismissive or mansplaining remarks. It appears that for them, Charlie was perhaps being a killjoy. Not one to let this sort of thing pass, Charlie pushed back. Turns out I was wrong. The boys is for me. It's definitely not sexist, and I just misunderstood because I couldn't see the way that silent female characters is, is actually incredibly empowering, and it's not problematic at all that an episode fails the Beckdale and Sexy Lamp tests. Thanks for clearing that up, lads. To be clear, I'm a cis man attempting to take some responsibility for the sexist culture that I'm part of. After reading and thinking about the things feminist women have said, I have thought about how men can be active in confronting sexist culture. I've concluded that one way men can participate is by responding in solidarity to the criticisms that women make. Put simply, without placing feminist thinking at the foundation of our responses, 
I argue that men cannot effectively participate in anti-sexism. The first thing I noticed about Charlie's post was that she was specifically calling out the sexist character writing in The Boys. To answer an obvious question, yes, the original graphic and the current TV series are both written by men. Charlie mentions the sexy lamp test, which, whilst funny, also identifies a problem with how women are treated by storytellers since time immemorial. Coined by comic book writer Kelly Sue DeConnick on a convention panel, she quipped that, If you can take a female character out and replace her with a sexy lamp, and your plot still functions, then you are a hack. Well, that's the PG version of what she said. Until Charlie mentioned it, I hadn't heard of the sexy lamp test, yet as I thought about it, I realised it perfectly summed up my frustrations with Starlight and her character arc in The Boys. Starlight is consistently sexually abused, objectified and lied to by numerous male characters in the show. Her serial victim status becomes a device through which The Boys delivers a central theme, revealing toxic power relationships, including simultaneous racist, classist, ableist and sexist oppression. Exposing these behaviours within individual characters and the systemic cultures they inhabit is of course welcome, yet the writing offers barely a moment where Starlight is active in response to these horrendous experiences. When action is taken, it's often taken on her behalf and taken by men. Erin Moriarty does a good job at portraying the character, however, in plot terms, she could be replaced with a sexy lamp, blow-up doll, or punch bag, and her primary purpose in the plot, to be a victim, would still function perfectly well. Charlie also mentions the Bechdel test, which is a tongue-in-cheek but useful device for sensing if a script is honouring its female characters. There might be isolated examples of films or TV shows where fascinating and multidimensional women neglect to once talk to each other about anything other than a man. Yet in 99% of examples, this lapse points towards shoddy and sexist writing. As Charlie makes clear, a reason some episodes of The Boys may flunk Beckdale is its choice to write Kamiko, one of its central female characters, as mute. As the social model of disability helps us understand, it's not her impairment that causes her character's voicelessness. It's because she's surrounded by men who do not care what she has to say that disables her in the story. It's also worth pausing to recognise that a mute female character with narrative agency is currently getting her own show within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Occasionally, the men briefly recognise Kimiko's worth when, to their surprise, she violently intervenes to save them at just the right moment. Here, the boys reformulates the age-old cliché of a woman bopping the baddie on, her head, on the head with a vase mid-fight. A device which offers women in stories a moment of platitude without any lasting agency or change in attitudes from men. The intersections of Kamiko's sexist, 
ableist and racist abuse appear to be a deliberate device crafted by the writers. Its willfulness is transparent whenever she's name-checked as the female by the other characters. She's written for the purpose of drawing a parallel between the toxic behaviours exhibited by the men in both The Seven and The Boys. That a superhero show exposes a culture of abusive power in both the goodies and the baddies teams is an interesting idea. Yet the execution falls flat as Kamiko, like Starlight, has little to no agency within the story to address her experience. As such, it becomes unclear as to whether the audience is expected to reject or be quietly titillated by the abuse. It's apparent that the writers seek to make a point about the sexist abuse of power through their work. The representation of toxic behaviour is regular and heavy-handed, yet the story seems to lose its way in at least two concerning ways. Firstly, women being written as serial victims of violence and abuse has been well critiqued by numerous feminist thinking writers. With this problem being so well known, the writers of the boys should not be making this mistake if they're serious about addressing sexism. In short, they appear to want to create a show that exposes sexist culture without applying the basic critiques of sexist culture to their own writing. This implies that they are, perhaps, not taking this as seriously as it may first appear. Secondly, they consistently confuse raising socialist issues with confronting or transgressing social issues. By failing to give appropriate agency to marginalised characters to address the sexism, racism, ableism, etc. that they encounter, the boys can be understood to at best offer lip service to addressing cultures of domination. At worst, it willfully paints a world where this abuse is normal, inescapable, and something we should all expect to silently witness or experience in our own lives. Near the top of this piece, I link to a video by Plastic Pills, which talks about the long history of media and the culture industry shaping oppressive behaviours and ideas. In its concluding section, it discusses the media technique of social justice catharsis, and how. The culture industry co-opts our dissatisfaction with the status quo by incorporating notions of rebellion or calls for social justice into their products. This catharsis gives us a sense that we are participating in these causes when the roots of these causes are part of the system maintained by the production. We can see then that Charlie's critique reveals this cathartic technique at play in The Boys. She cuts through the posturing which can make us feel as if we have participated in justice and points directly into the face of the sexist writing. Sexist writing that continues to maintain cultural norms of sexist behaviour in the production of the show. Gone might be the days of obvious content for women in pop culture, such as naming your one female character, Princess Leia. Leia does at least get some agency, for which we like her. Yet, these more modern, covert and sinister shenanigans are prevalent in many current anti-hero stories, 
where a dark protagonist intrigues us. Our fascination with characters like Tony Soprano, Walter White, Don Draper, Dexter, and of course Billy Butcher, can serve to compel us not just to normalise, but begin to celebrate abuse. Of course, not all people respond to art in the same way, and many will resist this draw. Yet, if you've been on the internet recently, you may notice that many also do not. Whilst prevalent, the problem is not inherent to anti-hero stories. There is another way of writing them, but it does take a touch of class and commitment to carry it off. In storytelling theory, protagonists are propelled through the plot by a need to avoid the danger of a physical or a spiritual death. If the protagonist fails, then their story becomes a tragedy. It is possible to gently disassociate the audience from an intriguing anti-hero by slowly stripping back their culpability for their dominator behaviours, whilst we watch them tragically consumed by them. Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray trailblazed the technique, which in contemporary terms has been well executed in shows such as The Wire, WandaVision, and most brilliantly in Bojack Horseman. Part of what's kept me watching The Boys is the potential for this technique to be used. We catch glimmers in The Homelander when we observe his isolation and desperate failure to make human connection. Yet, this is not enough, because he is the antagonist we despise and not the protagonist we love. If The Boys is going to make the Dorian Gray technique work, it needs Butcher and Huey to be tragically exposed. This will require strength and agency to be written into Starlight and Kamiko's narrative, for them to become the three-dimensional characters with agency against which Butcher and Huey will shatter. Such a turn would be interesting, yet it would of course require a genuine commitment from the show's writers to address sexist abuse. I've not watched season three yet, and whilst I probably will, I'm not holding my breath, and I can entirely understand why Charlie and many others have already seen enough. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, this is a new project, so I'd be really interested to hear folks' thoughts and feedback. The original text is full of links to further information about the ideas that I've discussed, so if there's anything you wanted to know more about, check back to that text, and hopefully you'll find some threads there to follow.